from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Hi, I'm Ethan Nadelman, and this is Psychoactive, a production of iHeartRadio and Protozoa Pictures. Psychoactive is the show where we talk about all things drugs. But any views expressed here do not represent those of iHeartMedia, Protozoa Pictures, or their executives and employees. Indeed, as an inveterate contrarian, I can tell you they may not even represent my own. And nothing contained in this show should be used as medical advice or encouragement to use any type of drugs. Hello, psychoactive listeners. So we got a fun one today. My guest is Ellen Scanlon. And about three years ago, she started a podcast called How to Do the Pot, specifically for and directed at women, all about cannabis. So Ellen, thank you so much for joining me on Psychoactive. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I'll tell you, I've been listening to your podcast and I'm really enjoying the kind of very sensible advice that you've been giving to people and, 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 and the thinking about it. So, I mean, I guess, let me just ask you right now, I mean, I mean, first of all, just a, a bit about yourself. You know, when did you first start using cannabis? You know, my first memory of it is in high school. I moved when I was in high school from Connecticut to Maryland, and my parents were pretty strict, and uh, they needed to know where I was going to be at all times. But there was this moment in time when I had moved, and I was a sophomore in high school, and they wanted me to make friends. And so things got a little bit looser <laughs> with my social life, and I uh -huh. got to go out with some new friends. And I remember being at a party uh, in Washington, D.C., and someone handed me a joint. And I'd been around it before, but it had kind of felt scary to me, I think. And I remember trying it and nothing much happened, to be honest. Um, but it was a very pleasant experience and kind of got me more curious, not terribly curious. Really, college was when I think um, it was more accessible and, and more available. And so that's when I really started to have more of a relationship with it. So, Alan, would you say that, I mean, you basically had a positive and friendly relationship with uh, marijuana since your teens? 
I have. You know, I've always liked weed. Um, mm-hmm. I like how it makes me feel. I like um, that it it sort of enhances creativity, and that's the type of weed that I like. What started to happen after college, I moved to New York City, and access got harder for me. You know, I think most women that I talk to, and, and this is true for me as well, kind of got weed through a guy. And if there mm-hmm. was a guy in my life that had it, then I had access. And if not, then I didn't. And so that was sort of my story in New York. I also, I was working on Wall Street. I was in like a very sort of high pressure environment. And I think that um, it just it just changed um, my my relationship. It wasn't around, and I I wasn't seeking it out. But that is to say that when it was around, usually I wanted to be a part of it. Um, but I don't like to get super high, and I think that uh, as I've gotten more confident with the plant, you know, I'm happy to say that, and I love cannabis so much. But I also just really like to use it in ways that match the environment that I'm in. And I think that Mm -hmm. that wasn't really as available when cannabis was illegal and I didn't know what I was putting into my body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's funny. So I think about my own marijuana use going back to when I was 18. And I know that that for me, sometimes that it was a way of kind of turning off my brain, like, okay, Ethan, you're high. Now you can't think about work anymore. Um, And in addition to that, of course, it's all about the pleasures associated with it and the enhancement of, you know, positive things, whether it's sensory stuff or emotional stuff. But for you, so this kind of turning off of the brain element, like when you're working on Wall Street, wasn't really a part of you were sort of in that work mode or or maybe alcohol played that role? I think alcohol played that role. And um, I I love cannabis for its creativity and like being in nature and taking a walk. And I think New York City was a little stressful for me. <laughs> I, I went to college in, in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I grew up in the suburbs um, of Maryland and in Connecticut. And so I think in retrospect that maybe just being really high in the middle of New York City was just overwhelming. I used to go to the movies a lot and those movie theaters with like 20 different movies and tons of people and it was very hectic and it just, um, it wasn't as relaxing as it had been for me in different environments. But so you decided to start this podcast three years ago. So what prompted that? Really, it was health challenges. Um that brought me to the plant. And I, um, gosh, probably about 10 years ago now, I had a really bad accident. I was in New Orleans for Jazz Fest and uh, with my boyfriend, then my now husband and a bunch of friends who had grown up there, we were having a wonderful time. And we were riding bikes and I fell off of a bike and I broke 16 of my teeth and I tore up my shoulder. I broke three ribs, my wrist. And um, it was it was a very scary accident that didn't have sort of a violent start to it, but it was uh, it was a slow roll from there because I had to go to the emergency room and um, they gave me some very very strong painkillers. I came home to my friend's house and was sitting talking with our friends and and trying to sort of salvage the day. And suddenly I woke up and I was on the floor. I had passed out and hit my head and. It was sort of the start of just an incredible number of side effects um, from different medications that I was given. If you've ever had any dental issues, uh, each tooth, imagine about three appointments and thousands of dollars. And so I, um, I, I think very luckily, I don't handle opioid and narcotic kinds of painkillers very well. So I wasn't able mm-hmm. to take those. But what I took instead was Advil about every three hours for 10 months. And I had been a person who prior to that, you know, I did what the doctor said. I I did, you know, I followed the rules. And this was really a moment when I was not getting better. I had to learn to advocate for myself. And I had to advocate for myself in a way that felt like I was going against what I had been taught. And I think that that uh, was the start of, of, of thinking about cannabis in a new way. Uh, I had moved to California just before my accident and so also living in San Francisco and just having a very different environment around cannabis. Um, it was legal for medical use. I had a medical card. Um, 
that was, I think, the real kernel of, of how I got into cannabis. Uh, I then um, was trying to have a baby. And the reason I'm a, a mid-40s mom is because I didn't have my son until I was 40 because it took me about four years. I learned at the very end of this road um, uh, on this fertility journey that I have endometriosis. And endometriosis affects one in 10 women. It is the cause of 50 to 60% of unexplained infertility. And cannabis is an incredible treatment for it. And, and so what exactly these, is it, endometriosis? Endometriosis is when the endometrial tissue that should be in your uterus is in other areas and other organs. Uh, people have described it, it, it can be like a spider web on your other organs. And it is incredibly, incredibly painful. And it affects different women differently. It can have GI issues. Um, cramps are sort of the most classic uh, symptom that is related to endometriosis. But I try and talk about it when, wherever I can because cannabis is truly magic and it has completely changed my life. Um, not that other painkillers don't work. They do, but they have side effects. And the side effects, as we know, can be addiction and, and other very, very challenging um, issues, as well as just physical issues uh, for the people that are trying to, to solve their problems with pain. So long, long way of getting to cannabis, I think, as a profession, but uh, it comes from, from a real place of passion for me because I talk to so many people whose lives have been improved um, by consuming cannabis and bringing it into their life for stress, for sleep, for pain. And, uh, and I really don't want anyone to feel bad about that, uh, which I mm -hmm. think has, you know, a long storied history of stigma. Now, I mean, obviously, when you started this podcast, you could have done a podcast that was because, you know, it's, you're offering very thoughtful comments and feedback about, you know, how to use marijuana with types and strains and the benefits in CBD versus THC. But you focus specifically on women. I mean, obviously, some of the advice is generic, um, but it's clear that that's the niche you've decided to focus on. And, and how and why did you decide to make that the niche? Well, prior to starting the podcast, I had been working for a women's healthcare company, a startup based in San Francisco. And I think for the first time, I started to realize that women's health was really different <laughs> than men's. Mm -hmm. It sounds so obvious, but, you know, I'd spent my, the early part of my career working on Wall Street. I got my MBA. I'd been in very heavily male environments, which um, just didn't have a lot of space for conversations about things that were specific to women. And so, between having this accident, which, um, you know, there are, are really frustrating statistics that came out. I think in 2020, um, the University of Chicago and Berkeley came out with a study that said something like 80% of women have been overdosed in taking prescription medicine because the dosage is just too big, too strong for their body type, for women. It wasn't until, you know, the 90s that uh, drugs were even being tested on uh, women because the hormone cycle, quote unquote, messes up the data. Um, and so I think that women are underserved in cannabis. I think historically there has been more stigma around women. And I really believe that cannabis is an incredible tool for women. You know, the endocannabinoid system, which I'm sure you're familiar with, but for your listeners who may not be, it's a system that's been in humans since there were humans, but it was discovered in the 90s um, by Dr. Meshulay. Raya Raphael Meshulam, the uh, leading Israeli researcher. An incredible yeah. researcher who has really just helped all of us understand the cannabis plant so much. Um, and the the cannabinoid receptors that live in our body are, you know, we have this system that is similar to the nervous system, to the cardiovascular system. But the entire purpose of the endocannabinoid system is to create homeostasis and balance. And so really balancing your body. And, and men feel that as well. But the receptors for cannabis are, you know, the, the top, the, the main receptors, the, the largest number of receptors are in the brain. But after that, they're in women's pelvic regions. And so this is why cannabis can help with cramps. It's why it's so effective for endometriosis. And so I think we're just at the beginning of understanding ways that women can, just based on their hormones, um, really benefit from cannabis. And then 
then, you know, women disproportionately suffer from autoimmune diseases. Eight out of 10 people that have them are women. Um, women disproportionately suffer from stress and sleep issues. And so there were just a lot of health issues that um, I felt were important to specifically talk to about women. We, we, I've been so thrilled that we we have, you know, a pretty large male audience. It kind of veers from 25 to 30 percent, depending on mm-hmm. when we're looking at it, um, because I do really feel like so much of the content that we put out is practical. It's fun. It's meant to just help you in your day. Um, but there are some really specific things that cannabis can help women with. And I wanted to get the word out about that. We'll be talking more after we hear this ad. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to, where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation, so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second grade teacher, and written by my husband Clark, an eternal second grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress... They gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. So just going more in on the issue about, because you spend a fair bit of time talking about women and hormones. And so in terms of like dealing with menstrual cramps, or I mean, do you, like, do you give advice, for example, where you are in your cycle and how certain types of marijuana or combinations might be better at different times in the cycle? 
Definitely. And I learned that depending on where you are in in your cycle, cannabis can be 30% stronger. So as you are kind of in the last phase right before you get your period, that is when your tolerance to cannabis is the lowest. And so you're going to be getting the most high. So that also is something that I think is incredibly important for women to know. You know, I love CBD. I love ratios like 20 to 1 where I'm just feeling the, the benefits of sort of the balancing effects and the calming and stress relieving. And so for me, as I'm getting closer to my period, I lower my dose so that I can maintain the same effects throughout the month. Um, so that is just one example of something that is is just really only affecting uh, women because of their hormones. Is anything known about the pill and marijuana and the interaction, or if any, between them? Interestingly, so this is totally anecdotal and I'm not a doctor, but I talk to women who are on the pill and they don't have that tolerance change. It's women who are not on the pill who really notice the difference in how the weed affects them at different times of the month. Well, how about uh, menopause? So menopause is a really, really interesting area, I think, for a lot of companies that are starting to pay attention to this huge block of women who are not feeling well and have money to spend on it. Uh, And so I do think that there's more interest in cannabis in older generations as well, baby boomers. Um, The companies that I know that are focused on women and menopause are putting out products like suppositories. Um, So suppositories are, um, you know, it's sort of like an applicator-less tampon that you insert uh, into your body. And I think for menopausal women who are dealing with things like a lack of moisture, they can really just create those balancing effects because of the endocannabinoid receptors that are in the pelvic region. Uh, Sleep is another thing that really can be a challenge for women uh, facing menopause and cannabis. And depending on how your sleep um, issues affect you, there are different types of cannabis. So we did a four-part series on this because I was answering the same questions so frequently that I just thought I have to put out a very comprehensive series on this. And you know, if you have trouble falling asleep, uh, THC can be very helpful. If you have trouble staying asleep, CBD can be very helpful. So there's some questions that you have to ask around cannabis for sleep, but I think that that, along with stress, are are, are very um, interesting. And, and I hope that more women who are facing menopause are open to considering cannabis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you hearing from many women who did not use cannabis either ever and then start in their 40s or 50s or maybe did use it when they were younger, stopped for 20 years and are back to using it now? I hear from women like that all the time. Um, and I think that, you know, that's really who I hope to serve with this show, because I think that legal cannabis, you know, in a huge part thanks to you and to advocates like you, is just completely different. And people who have been consuming cannabis for a very long time entering the legal market are entering a new environment. Um, And so I am really trying to help people understand this new landscape um, and what it means to have legal cannabis and help to teach people how to do it. I talk to a lot of women who love weed, and I'll ask them what to me are pretty simple questions like, you know, what's your favorite strain or, you know, what ratio do you like of CBD to THC? And they really don't know what I'm talking about because they've been getting weed in a baggie. No, it's true. For longtime users, you oftentimes don't keep up on what's the latest. You know, it's, I'm probably I'm probably guilty of that to some extent myself, except for doing this podcast. We're now being obliged to learn, you know, more and more about this. And I was learning stuff from listening to your episodes about the THC CBD combination stuff. You know, I, I mean, I'm wondering, Ellen. It sounds in terms of the medical stuff, and in terms of a lot of what you talk about, a lot of it is about the emphasis on CBD. You know, I had Martin Lee from Project CBD on the on Psychoactive recently, and we're talking about what's the latest research in this area. But it sounds like, I mean, for many people, it's either the high CBD, low THC, which works better for a range of conditions, thinking about things like stress and anxiety and such like that. So, to, you know, why, why is that? And what's your experience? What have you learned about that? CBD is a cannabinoid that really works well for me, and I am so grateful for it every day. I think that there are a couple things about CBD that have been just 
it's sort of hard for people to to take in. And the first is that you really need to take it for at least two weeks consistently before you're going to feel any effects, sometimes mm-hmm. a month, sometimes longer. And you probably need more than you think. So having a little CBD in some, you know, beverage that you have, something like that, it, it it's just not bringing that much into your system. And the goal of, of bringing CBD into your system, bringing cannabis in general, is to create that balance in the endocannabinoid system. And so I, I, I love CBD. I'm a huge believer, but um, you need a little more than you think, and you need to keep trying it for longer than you think. Um, and the effects can also be fairly subtle. So if you are not... Um, paying very close attention to how you feel. You know, I've recommended CBD to so many friends and I'll ask them about it later and say, how's it going? You know, do you like the product that I recommended? And they'll say, oh, I'm feeling a lot better. I don't know. Maybe I'll stop. Maybe I don't need it. (laughs) And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I think that's what's helping. Uh, So Mm. it's, it's a little tricky. And is it typically the case that it's not CBD by itself, but with some element of THC as well? I take a lot of CBD by itself. I... For me personally, when I am consuming THC, I really like it to have CBD in it, especially Mm -hmm. with edibles, which can just last a long time. And sometimes THC can make me anxious. Um, And so I I found that the sort of body effects, um, the CBD is great for inflammation. And so I think we all probably have more than what we should or or what we would like. And so it's sort of lowering that inflammation, which then helps to uh, also balance the endocannabinoid system and and bring on these balancing homeostasis type effects. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I really like CBD with my THC. If I I just got a pre-roll from a delivery service with a mix of ACDC and Jack Herrera, low Mm -hmm. dose, really pleasant. It was just like a wonderful kind of a little bit of creativity in your head. But I also felt like uh, I heard you on a show talking about how sometimes when you smoke weed, you come up with great ideas and maybe they're not so good the next morning. And I feel like CBD sometimes can can, um, just counter that a little bit. You, You kind of feel more like yourself. So what's the ratio that you enjoy with the THC CBD? In edibles, I like it from kind of a three to one ratio to about a twenty to one. Um, if I have a little more time, if I you know have a little bit more freedom, a one to one. Like if I'm going mm-hmm. on a fun hike or something without. Um, Wait, twenty know. to one. Twenty you mean twenty parts CBD to one part THC? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. We're nearly uh-huh. non intoxicating. Uh huh. And but the CBD on the other hand, you'll say you'll 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 find some benefit from it, even if there's not the slightest bit of THC in there. I get a lot of benefit from it. I take it in um, a gel cap. There's a women-run company based uh, in Chicago called Equilibria. I love their gel caps. They own their farm in Colorado, and I've been using their products for a long time. And there'll be times when I I don't have it with me, or I go away, and I I you know I run out and. I really notice that my anxiety goes up, my sort of irritability goes up. Um, it, it has a very, very balancing effect for me. And what dose level are you talking about? Anywhere from like 75 milligrams to 200 milligrams if I'm having a very stressful time. So it's a lot. Uh-huh. And then as a kind of daily supplement, what do you do for that? That is my daily supplement. I mean, I oh, really is- think of it as a supplement. Uh-huh. So you might be, if you're going through a stressful time, you might kick it up to 200 milligrams and otherwise be at around 75 or so. Exactly. And take in once a day, morning or night, does it make a difference? No, you know, it's funny. This is sort of another part of the medical side of cannabis that I think people have to wrap their heads around a little bit, which is, you know, doctors and nurses have talked to me about this. They say, you know, I have a patient who is used to taking their medicine, you know, every eight hours or every six hours. And and that can be how cannabis works as well. You know, you're not just going to take it first thing in the morning and your pain will be gone all day long. Um, you know, this is one of the reasons that things like can of butter is really popular because you can put a little bit of butter on your toast in the morning, mm-hmm. have some at lunch, have some at dinner. You kind of need to keep it in your system so that you can keep the effects. That's really what microdosing is uh, when people talk about microdosing cannabis. It's taking smaller amounts so that you can feel the positive effects for longer. Mm-hmm. And how about uh, sleep? 
Sleep is a huge topic. And the first question to ask is, do you have trouble falling asleep or do you have trouble staying asleep? So I had never had any sleep issues. And then I had a small child and I started a business (laughs) kind of in the same (laughs) year. And I still don't have trouble falling asleep, but I do wake up a lot. I was at a conference recently talking to some other um, women entrepreneurs and we were like, oh, is it 3.04 for you or like 3.07? Because it's the same time most nights. (laughs) Um, But CBD has really, really helped to solve that for me. So I take another gel cap before bed. Um, You know, CBN is a cannabinoid that's showing some promise in sleep. You know, the the cannabis uh, sleep medications that are coming out, more of them have um, the more minor cannabinoids in them. Um, but I, I really just think that it is a wonderful thing to try if you are not having results from sleep medications that you're taking or even if you even if you are. You know, I, I've had women on my show who have been dealing with terrible insomnia and gone into their doctor and the, their doctor has given them a prescription for Ambien and said, you're going to have to start taking more of this. It's going to stop working. So maybe what you do is take it for two weeks of the month and then don't take it for two weeks. And and it's like, is that really a solution? Hmm. <laughs> That's really the advice that you're getting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, really. And the same issue about people developing tolerance. Does one develop tolerance for the effects of CBD and does the dose need to be increased over time to achieve the same effects or not? But I guess there's really no research on that as well at this point. I have not found that to be the case. I don't need more. I need more when I'm more stressed, but I don't need more just to kind of keep my balanced level. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one Mm -hmm. thing I will say about sleeping cannabis, I talk to a lot of people who will kind of say, you know, Ellen, I'm I'm just really not into weed, but I take an edible every night to sleep and it's changed my life. <laughs> and so um, sleep is so important to just human functioning that it, it has been, I think, an entryway for some people who are willing to try anything to get a good night's rest and finding mm-hmm. great, great relief uh, with cannabis. Now, everything you're saying, right, about the autoimmune disease and stress and anxiety and sleep, it all applies really equally to men and women. I mean, obviously, I think probably women suffer from many of these issues more than men do. Um, But in terms of the advice, is there anything significantly different? No. You know, my husband takes CBD just like I do. It works for him when he stops taking it. If he, you know, starts to feel more stressed, he takes more. Um, the thing that that I do notice, and this is also anecdotal, but, you know, if my husband and I are sharing a joint on a Saturday night, sometimes I'll like it and he won't. Or, you know, I'll have effects that feel like I, I feel very chatty and um, really kind of excited about things and he gets super sleepy. So the effects can really differ a lot between us, um, which is one of the challenges about cannabis and why I've tried to make my show so practical because I really want people to feel confident about cannabis for health, for well-being, for fun, and knowing more about it. You know, I there are some kind of tools that you can use. You know, if I find myself too high, I know that I can take a CBD oil tincture and put it under my tongue and it'll balance out how I'm feeling. Um, Little tricks like that that can really um, help with confidence for men and for women uh, because there's just not enough research. That's an interesting point that if you are feeling too high, that putting a little CBD tincture you're saying under your tongue can really help bring you down from that a bit and turn turn a kind of too much high into a pleasant high? It's the best advice I try and tell everyone that I can. Yes, it's amazing. Um, if you're trying a new strain or if you're going to be out with people and you're not sure you know, how you want to feel, just throw a CBD oil tincture um, into your bag and, and put um, a dropper underneath your tongue. Hold it there for probably 60 seconds. And in about 15 minutes, you will feel less high and more like yourself. Oh, that's great. That's great advice. Well, let me ask you, maybe if this crosses the line, let me know. But so listen, the issue of marijuana and sex, um, you know, what's your general advice and thoughts about about that? Every woman should have a weed lube in her bedside table. Just every woman. <laughs> a weed lube. A weed lube. So uh. cannabis lube, it's, you know, just a serum. Um, if you live in a legal state, you can buy uh, a weed lube that has THC in it, which um, is wonderful. But if you don't, 
cannabis lube with just CBD is also really fantastic, and I highly, highly recommend it. Um, this goes back to the pelvic region and the uh, endocannabinoid system and having more receptors. And cannabis in a lube, it's topical. It will not make you feel intoxicated, but it will bring more blood flow to the area. And that increases sensuality, it increases touch. And so the weed lube just as a, as a topical is something that I give as a gift. Um, I give it as to friends uh, as a gift a lot. And um, and I, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, and are there, I mean, since I don't think either of us is getting paid anything by any cannabis companies, are there, are there brands that you'd recommend? Yes. Um, there's a brand called Foria, um, which has a CBD and a THC lube. THC is available in California and Colorado, I think. A company called Quim, which you can buy, I think, like at Nordstrom's and Urban Outfitters. There's another one called... Um, her Highness. Uh, Her mm-hmm. Highness has a very, very fantastic weed lube that comes with some other um, herbs uh, in it. And so, yes, I highly, highly recommend weed lube for everyone, for every woman. And it does not really have an effect on men. So this is just for women. Topically, mm-hmm. these weed lubes are are really not going to do much for men. But you'll have a partner who is, you know, feeling... Uh, hopefully, much better, stronger orgasms, just feeling more sensation and and stronger, positive um, feelings. So that is a wonderful thing. Cannabis for sex, as sort of consuming it, is is definitely a little bit more complicated. And again, it goes back to kind of what you were noticing, the theme of what I'm saying, which is lower THC, having CBD, I always recommend that if you are new to cannabis and sex, that you start experimenting with yourself and understand how you feel uh, with these different strains because issues of consent and and comfort really can um, can play a role. And so weed lube, I am 100% for for every woman. And then experimenting a little bit more if you want to bring cannabis, whether you're consuming it with edibles or um, or smoking it into the bedroom. And the lubes you're talking about are generally CBD high and low THC. So the lubes that I'm talking about, it it is sort of a funny experience to walk into a dispensary and buy a weed lube. Um, So I do it like periodically Mm -hmm. just to remind myself that it's a little bit uncomfortable. But that is the only place where you'll be able to buy weed lubes with THC from a licensed dispensary or delivery service. Um, But CBD lubes, because CBD CBD is legal all across the country, um, you can order it over the internet. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, this conversation is going to some sensitive directions, but I've wondered too, when you have a more heavy, a, a lube that's more heavy on THC, you know, how shall I say this? Um, I mean, if oral sex is involved, is the man getting high? Um, it's, yeah. And and this is where, again, you know, not a lot of data, mostly anecdotal. Um, and I think where it really becomes a question is around drug testing. Um, and mm-hmm. there is definitely a possibility of having a positive drug test. Um, and so I think that that's another reason why it's really important to talk to your partner about what is happening, about how you want to handle the lube. Maybe if you have a partner who's getting drug tested, it's CBD lube. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just considering all of the parts of how cannabis uh, affects your sex life, but also your life outside of the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you have these series of episodes on your podcast called The 12 Best Cannabis Strains for Women. So, I mean, there's no hard research in any of this stuff, right? It's all anecdotal coming from consumers and from people who work in stores and such. But well, let me start off with a very specific question. Have you found um, in talking to women about this that there are certain strains they prefer with sex? They say this one's great for sex? I think that the strain that comes up the most is GSC, which used to be known as Girl Scout Cookies. Um, uh-huh. People really like that one. I like to recommend it because I think it offers a balance of a body and a head high. It can be a strong strain, so one or two hits should should be fine. Um, we recently put out a uh, a series about what is good weed for women, and our most popular episode of the series is what is good balanced weed. And the two strains mm-hmm. that we recommended in that um, 
in that series are Bubblegum and Harlequin. And I think those are also really great strains uh, to consider for sex. And this is why trying out a strain, knowing whether you like it, knowing how it makes you feel is a really important part of introducing it into um, a, a, a sexual relationship with a partner because you want to know how it's going to make you feel. And some people love those strains, but some people don't. Um, so this is not the time to try something new, I, I wouldn't recommend. Let's take a break here and go to an ad. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress... They gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me. <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Do you find it's important that, that I mean, that many consumers like to switch between strains? That is, that if you keep using the same strain over and over and over, you sort of begin to develop more of a tolerance for its psychoactive effects. And that by mixing them up, that can keep, you know, keep one appreciating the particular psychoactive effects. Or alternatively, uh, uh, that people, uh, you know, say that, well, I like this strain, you know, for sex. And this strain is great for just chilling and going to watch a movie. And this strain's best for, uh, you know, when I want to do my yoga. Um, and that people are tailoring which strain they use for what activity they're going to be engaging in. 
I think that is one of the incredible parts of a legal market that you can go shopping <laughs> and decide what you want to buy. And if you've had a good experience at yoga with ACDC, you know, you can probably find ACDC. Uh, if you love OG Kush, um, you know, maybe that's the perfect strain for you to be watching a movie. Um, we have a series on our show called The First Time I Bought Legal Weed, and women send in their story from all over the country and talk about their first experience because I really believe that it's a big barrier to a lot of women, that they're just scared to go into a dispensary. There's a, you know, usually a big dude outside, which is partly because it's a cash business. And so I want people to understand that this really can be more of a shopping experience and that you can start to dial in how you feel. Um, there are some people who just will always love the classics. But I also always say, Cannabis is a plant. So just because you love this strain from this particular brand, you know, it might be different in December than it is in June because the growing conditions were different. And mm -hmm. so there are just a lot of variables to this being a plant. Well, you know, in terms of those other best cannabis strains, um, what were other ones that really stood out uh, in terms of particular activities or preferences? One of the most popular strains in our series, uh, we call it the Giggly Pot, and that's XJ13, which um, is a really fun strain that, you know, I, I think that this started sort of mid-pandemic when I would just get texts or calls from friends like, I just need to laugh. Can you please help me? Like, what? It's just going to make me smile. Um, so XJ13 is one that I, I love to recommend to people. Um, I I tend to recommend sort of either lower THC strains, which would be THC, you know, around 20% or looking for uh, either flour or pre-rolls that have CBD in them because, you know, sometimes not really feeling it can be the perfect place for you to kind of start again, understanding how cannabis might come into your life. And I just, it's like my mission in life that that no one gets too high, <laughs> you know, higher mm -hmm. than they want, because I've just watched so many people say, I will never, I'll never touch that again. I had such a bad experience. I ate an edible and I, you know, was high for two days and it was awful. And it just doesn't have to be that way. And so I, I really encourage people um, with all the strains that I recommend, just start slow, just wait, <laughs> you know, don't mm -hmm. eat another edible and have fun with it. You know, like you don't have to be like me and keep notes in your phone and in a journal and all of that. But it mm -hmm. can be really fun to keep a journal and kind of remember which strains make you feel uh, a certain way. It's also a really helpful way to find your next favorite strain, because when you go into a dispensary, one of the questions I always recommend people to, to, to talk about with the, the retail uh, salespeople, the bud tenders, is, you know, what was the last best experience you had with cannabis? And what did you like about it? Because if you can tell them that, they will understand the clues of what you're saying. And most people who work in dispensaries absolutely love weed and absolutely want to help people find the perfect weed for them. So um, really mm -hmm. paying attention to why you like what you try is, is just such a great way to to kind of um, build your relationship with cannabis. So it, it's perfect for, for your needs. Well, you know, I, I also think that when I think about, you know, many people over the years have said to me that, oh, yeah, I did marijuana, but it made me feel uncomfortable or paranoid or whatever. And I, I, I just not in trying again. Um, although maybe they're under pressure or feeling they should give it a go again because it's becoming so much more common um, in our society. And sometimes the, what I'll do is I'll find that many times people whose initial experience is like that, it's that because they used cannabis for the first time in a social environment where they were not entirely comfortable. And so my advice to them will oftentimes be less about strains. It'll be more about, well, next time you do it, you know, do it only with people you really feel comfortable with, people you don't have to feel that you're being on with, you know, people you can relax with. Or do it by yourself or with one other person, your partner or friend, and do it, you know, sitting outdoors or watching a sunset or maybe having a swim in the lake or or something like that. And give yourself another chance to re-encounter marijuana in a, in a safe way and a safe place. 
Now, you know, one of the things is that people say, you know, they talk about an element of, you know, some paranoia. And I think you did an episode specifically about marijuana and paranoia. So what was that about? We did. Uh, We have a series that's called Weed Words, which helps to just dig into the words that you think you should know, but maybe you don't. Um, And we have a show on uh, marijuana, CBD, and paranoia. And the paranoia show is, I I love this one because I think there, there are two ways to look at paranoia. There's the physical, you know, the feeling of being paranoid that a person can have if they have too much cannabis. And what I have learned and what there are some studies around this um, showing that high THC can activate the amygdala in your brain, which increases feelings of paranoia. So it is a real phenomenon. Um, And I also think that what you said earlier about set and setting can really play a role. We have another show on the munchies, and this also kind of comes to play uh, with people who are experiencing the munchies. If you have an expectation that you are going to be super hungry, you might eat more. And cannabis makes food taste and smell better, so you're probably going to like it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think the same thing can can be with, with paranoia, where if you have an expectation that this is something that might make you feel self-conscious, that might make you feel uncomfortable, then that is can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and and it just goes back to trying to kind of instill confidence in people that it doesn't have to be this way, that if you get too high, there are ways that you can come down. Um, and like my CBD uh, oil tincture tip and, and trying to just open up to this maybe being related to Kind of cultural phenomenon. The, the, the third meta layer of paranoia is just you know, all of the propaganda that has come out of the war on drugs and fear and very real fear for people of uh, being arrested. Black people are four times more likely than white people to be arrested for possessing cannabis. So there are very real reasons that paranoia and cannabis are tied together. But we tried to unpack it in this episode and, mm-hmm. and break down the specifics so that you can feel more confident that you can avoid that as a side effect and also potentially open up your mind to why you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So marijuana and the markets, right? I mean, you know, so much of business is still male dominated. Uh, you know, most of the entrepreneurs, most of the startups are men. Although I will say I was just recently at a, at a meeting with all sorts of women, in fact, women of color who were engaged in starting their own marijuana businesses or involved in marijuana regulation or involved in marijuana advocacy. Um, but what's your sense about, you know, perception? Is the proportion of women in the industry growing? Um, I mean, do you encourage women to shop at women-owned stores or outlets? What's your approach on this? I think it it really comes back to capital and access to capital. And in an industry like cannabis, which is federally legal, uh, there's no access to banking. And so to fund cannabis businesses requires either running them off of profits, which are hard to come by in this industry at this moment for many people, or raising money. And women historically have raised 2% of all venture funding. So 98% of venture capital mm-hmm. money is going to men. And um, it's it's fairly depressing um, to think about it. I, I was just at a, a conference with a bunch of women and we were, you know, experiencing this lack of capital in cannabis and talking about it and the men were talking about it. And the women and I kind of moved to the side and we're like, you know, I think it might just always be this hard for women. So maybe we're at an advantage in a moment when capital <laughs> is really hard to come by. Um, uh-huh. And I think that a lot of the women that I know who have gotten into the cannabis industry are in it because they or someone that they love has had their life drastically improved by the plant. And so there's just a very strong passion. Um, this is a really challenging industry. It's a startup industry. It's federally illegal. It is completely different by state. There's no interstate commerce. You know, there are all kinds of challenges to scaling and running a business. And I think that um, it is, it's hard because the more capital is scarce, the more likely it's going to go to the bigger companies. Uh, I, I listened to your fascinating interview with Boris Jordan, who I think has a similar 
view that, you know, the next few years and watching what is going to happen with something like safe banking could really make a difference for smaller players. And I do agree with him. I think that access to capital is one of the biggest challenges for women and for people of color in cannabis. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, um, Ellen, I was recently at the uh, ArcView conference, the, you know, the ArcView Marijuana and Business Conference that's been around for quite a number of years, and that always weaves in some themes around equity and social justice, et cetera. But two people I met there, um, one was is it uh, the head of TrueLeave, uh, the, the Florida-based company, I think it's Kim, Kim Rivers, Rivers mm-hmm. um, who I never met before, and I guess that's one of the five biggest co- uh, companies, so I guess she's the one woman who's playing at that kind of top level of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, a lot of the multi-state operators are seen quite critically by the small business folks. The other person, by that way, I met was somebody who I think has been a guest of yours quite frequently, and that's Dr. June Chin. Oh, I um, love Dr. Talking Chin. about the medical aspects of marijuana. We had a little connection. I guess she's living in Scarsdale, New York, which is where I didn't grow up there, but I graduated high school there. Um, so yeah, June Chin, by the way, her expertise, is she specialized on women and cannabis? She has a lot of expertise on women in cannabis, but I think she just specializes in cannabis. Um, and there's so mm-hmm. few physicians that have that expertise and are willing to talk about it. Um, that's who I sent to my friend yesterday who had sent me the questions about Crohn's disease. She's a wonderful resource. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so listen, so all this talk about marijuana, and meanwhile, there's this psychedelics renaissance going on. And, you know, there's always been in the academic world, I mean, I have my, on my shelves, I have book after book about women and heroin, women in psychedelics, women in pregnancy, women in this, women in that, historical perspectives, health perspectives. In fact, I, you know, I grabbed the book off the shelf because my notes, I need a, I need a large size book to, to keep my notes on. And the book I just by coincidence grabbed off the shelf is one that came out 40 years ago called Shaman Woman Mainline Lady, Women's Writings on the Drug Experience, edited by Cynthia Palmer and Michael Horowitz. So all of which makes me wonder, are you, find yourself getting interested in women and other drugs, notably psychedelics, or are you going to stay on this women and marijuana thing for a while? It's funny that you ask that. I So I live in San Francisco and I have been going to parties where everyone is on mushrooms <laughs> a lot. And <laughs> you mean low dose, basically. Low dose mushrooms. Right. And I yeah. really kind of, it's just, it kind of makes me laugh because a few years ago it was like, Ellen works in weed. And now it's like, Ellen doesn't know anything about mushrooms. <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, I'll tell you, I was just at a gathering and it's so, I mean, I, I went over to a friend's house and and he showed me the guy who, you know, the marijuana delivery guy in New York City. And now the delivery guys are bringing not just all sorts of cannabis to smoke, but also vape pens and also edibles and, you know, drinkables and tinctures and this and that. And they're bringing over, you know, seven different versions of mushroom chocolate bars or mushroom candies and maybe a little 2CB and stuff like that. And I mean, this is what's going on on the kind of illicit delivery front um, and now the kind of quasi-legal delivery front. And the same thing, I'm at a party and there's somebody's got some, you know, kind of microdosing or slightly higher level of mushroom stuff. Um, so what are you thinking? Are you going to be diving in? You know, I, I've asked a lot of people about this. And, and when I go to conferences, I usually walk in and I tell myself I have to learn more about psychedelics before I leave here. And the people that I've talked to have said, you're kind of called to it or you're not. And right now, I don't feel called to it. I think that what's happened for me working in cannabis and, and understanding the way that a legal market works, and especially around dosage, I just am not very comfortable putting something into my body when I don't know how much is there. And Mm -hmm. uh, mushrooms have been decriminalized in San Francisco. So that could potentially open up dosing for me. And I'm sure that there are um, many, many people who could help me with this. But right now I feel pretty happy um, with cannabis. But I'm fascinated by what I've been learning about psychedelics, which is really just like the advances that are going to be possible in the next few years around treatments for mental health issues. So um, I was speaking to someone at this uh, conference that uh, where I was called Trailblazers in Ojai a few weeks ago, uh, a great conference. And he was saying that 
basically right now when you go in and you're talking to a psychiatrist or someone about a mental health issue, you kind of spill your symptoms and then they have a handful of drugs that can help you to combat them. But many of them come with side effects. Many of them aren't, you know, very specific about what they're doing. And what the research into psychedelics of, of all different types is going to allow for is really, really targeted care for specific issues. So I'm thrilled mm -hmm. that that is coming. You know, I've read the Michael Pollan book. I, I've read sort of the mainstream um, books about psychedelics. But right now I'm, I'm sticking with weed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, listen, so you've been doing a podcast now for three years. I'm at about the one and a half year mark. I'm loving it and enjoying it. I mean, it's keeping me engaged and I'm both, you know, interviewing old friends and colleagues as well as meeting new people such as yourself. And I, I enjoy the whole process of it. And, and, and what's your feeling? So after three years, do you see yourself continue to do this for years to come? Do you see yourself branching out in other ways in the, in the cannabis area? Well, I am raising money for my business. So if anyone wants to talk about angel investing in a fast-growing, uh, women-focused business, I would love to talk more about it. I love it. And what's the business? Uh, this is the business. This is the education platform and building a community and turning it into kind of whatever comes next in cannabis. I think that uh, community first is the way that a lot of businesses uh, that focus on women in kind of newer areas like well-being and health-related areas um, start and start strongly because you can develop your ambassadors and people really need to feel trust. So that has been um, a huge just passion project of mine, helping to develop this community and allow women to feel like they not only can learn, but but learn from a friend and learn from someone who is really thinking about um, how to um, encourage a you know a happier life at its root. So I love it. Um, it's it's really fun. Also, you know, I was an English major and I love to read and I love to write. And so I, I get to write all my shows. They're scripted and work with uh, amazing collaborators. I think that's been a really fun part about being in podcasting that um, – it's it's certainly not a movie, but, you know, we bring a lot of different people in. I've got my copywriters who help with our social media. We have all kinds of sort of different growth areas uh, digitally because cannabis is a tricky industry to market in and to try to grow a business because we don't have access to any type of digital marketing. So everything has to be organic. So I'm sort of perpetually looking to see where where the consumer that I want to talk to might be and other people aren't thinking about it. Uh, Pinterest, for mm -hmm. instance, is a really wonderful channel for us and for our podcast. We post everything on there and we have a great reception. So yeah, it's like a super fun puzzle marketing challenge. This is the most fascinating industry. Cannabis is a fascinating industry, but so is podcasting and it's growing nearly as fast. At least it's legal, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it is legal in all 50 states, not just 19. <laughs> all right, exactly. And the website that's connected to all of your work? Dothepot.com. So everything, uh, you can check us out on all the socials. We're at dothepot.com uh, or at dothepot. And um, yeah, please check us out. We've got all kinds of information on the website. We have so many episodes that I hope answer all of the questions that women and that just people in general might be secretly Googling and, and not able to find uh, a good resource to answer their questions. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, Ellen, I'll tell you, I so much enjoyed the conversation. I mean, for me, part of what I've learned, of course, is some of the issues and how they're specific to women on health and wellness, especially. But the other one is simply, you know, just it's made me, it's given me a little push to develop a better understanding of CBD and the high CBD ratio vis-a-vis -vis THC and looking in that into more deeply. And also because I haven't done CBD really as a daily supplement. So I really, really appreciate this. So I do want to thank you um for taking this time with me and my listeners on psychoactive and i wish you all the best with your you know the, the, the podcast and your future ventures thank you so much this has been a great conversation i'm so happy to have had it if you're enjoying psychoactive please tell your friends about it or you can write us a review at apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts we love to hear from our listeners. If you'd like to share your own stories, comments, and ideas, then leave us a message at 1-833-779-2460. That's 833-PSYCHO-ZERO. 
Or you can email us at psychoactive at protozoa.com or find me on Twitter at Ethan Nadelman. You can also find contact information in our show notes. Psychoactive is a production of iHeartRadio and Protozoa Pictures. It's hosted by me, Ethan Nadelman. It's produced by Noam Osband and Josh Thane. The executive producers are Dylan Golden, Ari Handel, Elizabeth Giesis, and Darren Aronofsky from Protozoa Pictures, Alex Williams and Matt Frederick from iHeartRadio, and me, Ethan Nadelman. Our music is by Ari Belusian, and a special thanks to Avivit Bar-Yosef, Bianca Grimshaw, and Robert Beebe. Next week, I'll be talking with Chris Killam. He's the famed medicine hunter who has explored plant medicines all around the world for decades. We'll be talking about kava, the plant medicine from the South Pacific that's making its way around the world. I mean, I've sat a couple of times in these magnificent kava ceremonies and drinking this insanely strong kava they call stone kava, which is minced with a a coral head so that you rupture every last cell of this really fibrous kava root, giving every little bit of the relaxing compounds out there and into the water. And, you know, it's magical. It's just plain magical, breathtakingly so. And then you go out underneath the stars and you get a sense of the, the absolute tininess of us and the absolute gigantic nature of everything else. Subscribe to Psychoactive Now so you don't miss it. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionised over 20 million bedtimes, with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cosy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.